Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 210 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Managing Your Time and Energy. Master this one or burn out. We still get a seemingly endless stream of questions from leaders who feel as though they're heading towards burnout, and they have very little idea about how to stop the decline. Now, earlier this year, in the lead up to our April cohort of Leadership Beyond the Theory, we ran a training on avoiding burnout, which helped a lot of leaders to adopt some practical strategies to improve their current situation. This related topic covers how to manage your time and energy. Now, often burnout is a slow creep and it just chips away at you over time until you realise you're not functioning at the same pace and you're not achieving the same performance you used to. You just get that jaded feeling, you know, the one where you lose your zest and enthusiasm and keeping up the energy for your team is even harder. Days that used to feel effortless become a real chore and then you feel guilty about not bringing your best for your people. Well, today I'm going to give you strategies in three distinct areas that you can use to manage your time and energy and rebuild your enthusiasm for the job, regardless of how you feel about it at this very moment. So the first area is to work on the right things and let the rest of it go. The second is to set the right standards for your people and enforce them diligently. And the third is to build a capable, high-performing team. And once you have, to let them do their jobs. So let's get into it. 
One of the things I've learned to do really well over my long and varied career is to manage my time and energy. Now, I found that it was relatively easy if I followed some simple principles and listened to my inner voice about when I had the capacity to keep pushing and when I needed to back off. But it certainly wasn't always that way. It took me a good 20 years to get the hang of this, and it wasn't until my last corporate CEO role that I feel as though I really started to get it right. So the balance is, do you want to work hard, but not so hard that it wears you down? You want to guarantee high performance and streamline what you do so that everything but the most important work simply becomes extraneous. And you want to be able to do the same for your team. Make everything the team does really count. Not demotivating them with a mountain of work that doesn't appear to really make that much difference to the overall outcomes of the organisation. So we're going to start by working on the right things. Now, we're launching a brand new free training in a few weeks where I'm going to go into this first point in more detail. But I can't talk about time management without covering this, at least briefly. One of the most common topics you'll hear me talk about is value. Why? Well, because value should be the central focus for every leader, in every organisation and at every level. And remember, this isn't just financial value. It covers all areas of performance across all stakeholder groups. So, you know, shareholders, customers, employees, suppliers, communities, regulators, the whole box and dice. And I'm sure you've heard me say that your primary job as a leader is to define what value means to you, right? So that requires a little bit of consideration and a lot of effort. Now, the principle is pretty simple. Understand what really creates value for your team and organisation. And once you understand what brings value and how, you need to work out how to capture it. So for a start, don't just prioritise stuff, rank it. Like go through that discipline. How many times have you heard someone say, I can't take on any more work, I already have six priority ones. Now of course this is just a breeding ground for laziness and poor outcomes. That lack of clarity leaves a lot of dark corners to hide in. But if you clearly rank your work program, you have the ability to have the right conversations, do the right analysis, and make the right choices about what to work on when. The most important thing is not to create the perfect ranked list. The most important thing is that you've done the work to provide the basis for conversation and debate. That way, when any new work item comes your way, you can assess its relative priority against the standing work program. Then, of course, you can assess if there's any reason to change the existing work program. Like I said, you are not after the perfect list. As Dwight Eisenhower said, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. The object of the exercise is to keep your workload in check. This is absolutely fundamental to managing your time and energy. But if you don't really understand where the true value is derived from, you won't know what to sacrifice. You'll end up working on the wrong things missing some of the most potentially valuable work items. The concept of being able to tell your boss you're going to do less only works if you're delivering exceptional value by focusing on the really big ticket items. Now for me, this was my primary means of containing the size of the potential workload for both me and my team. And you can imagine how much impact this has on a large organisation if you have a CEO who thinks like this. So I learned to protect the work program, 
so that the things that normally creep in to distract us simply didn't get a start. And this is something I had to do from all angles. People below would come up with good ideas for projects that they'd love to work on. Well, unless they could communicate what value would be delivered and commit to delivering it, we weren't going to throw any resources at it. If they could, hey, no problem. It's not about being inflexible. But more than this, I had to protect the work program from all the good ideas that came to us from our board and shareholders. Now, you have to hold the line and really guard the high-value stuff. Minimise the distractions and make sure that you're working on the main game. If you can achieve this, you effectively cap the amount of work that any team or individual takes on and you only do the right things. All right, I'm going to give you three tools that will help you if you use them to filter your work program. The first one you will have no doubt come across. Talking of President Eisenhower, we can use the Eisenhower matrix to classify the work we're doing. You may have seen this as the urgent important matrix, where you map the relative importance and the relative urgency of any work item on a two by two grid. On one axis, you have importance, high and low. On the other axis, you have urgency, high and low. So you end up with four quadrants. You've got not urgent and unimportant. You've got not urgent, but important. And you've got urgent, but unimportant and urgent and important. Now we spend a lot of time working on things that are urgent but unimportant and mapping them on this matrix helps us to see those better. You'll often be pushed to do those types of tasks but you should consider them really carefully before you commit. This is a simple and fun way to open the debate with your boss and your team. So questions like, are we getting distracted by things that are urgent and unimportant in relative terms when we compare them to the other things we could be doing? Or um, do we have options to push back on the leaders above by explaining where the true value lies? The second tool, limit the exposure of individual teams to big ticket items. Now, quite often, certain teams take the brunt of the high value workload and the supporting cast are underutilized in relative terms. The concept of resource leveling is a common discipline in project management. For example, when you create a Gantt chart that shows the dependencies in a work breakdown structure, it can look like everything hangs together really nicely. Now at Your CEO Mentor, we do this in a tool called Asana, which is awesome if you don't already have one of these types of things, it's really easy to use. But you need to look at the schedule from another perspective altogether, and that's the resource commitment view of the plan. Any major anomalies are gonna show themselves up pretty quickly. You'll see some people who, on a given week, might be working only 15 hours on this project that they're allocated to full-time, while there are likely to be others who are allocated for over 100 hours on the same week. So think about this principle and work out where the bottlenecks and squeeze points are. Don't centralise the exposure of any individuals or teams to unrealistic workloads just because you haven't thought through the implications of the resource allocations that fall out of the work program you're taking on. So the rule of thumb is, measure twice, cut once. The third tool is don't let any task assignments be open-ended. Now there's a great little hack that I picked up from the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney et al. Think about the principle of simplicity and focus. 
organisations that limit major initiatives deliver more value over time. So think of all task assignment in terms of progress to a point by a date. So our commitment is stated as, we're going to move this initiative from A to B by date X. This is a four disciplines of execution tool. We have quite a sophisticated value ranking process in module one of leadership beyond the theory. And it can be incredibly complex to value rank your work program for the first time. So this is going to help you to get it right faster. Once you know what to work on, you've got to quarantine and contain your work program. As I said, heaps of good ideas are going to come from above and below. And you won't want to say no to good ideas because you're hardworking and you're ambitious. But you've got to be totally ruthless about what you allow in and say no to anything that isn't clearly greater value than the things you're currently pursuing. There's a great podcast episode to help you on how to do this. It's the Learning to Say No podcast that I recommended last week. It's episode 61. Containing the work program is the number one thing. Without this, you won't have a hope of managing your time and energy. All right, the next point is to set the right standards and enforce them diligently. So you've got to make it really clear what good looks like. You have to set ambitious but achievable goals for every person on your team. No exceptions. I said every person. Remember, weak leaders lower the standard to meet the performance, but strong leaders lift the performance to meet the standard. And you just have to decide which you are. It's totally your choice. But if you choose to be a weak leader and accept whatever performance people decide to turn up to work with, you deserve everything you get. Look, I'm sorry, but I don't know how else to put that. Stop shooting yourself in the foot by not holding your team to account for meeting the right standard of performance. Most people will set a low bar if you let them. Even your very best people on any given day will give you maybe, I don't know, 80 to 85% of their true capacity. Not because they're lazy, not because they're evil, just because we like to have the ability to comfortably achieve what we set out to do. So stretch your people. How much? Well, as I like to say, it's just until you see the lump in their throat. You can always ratchet back later if you need to. But people are happier when they achieve difficult things. This is how they build self-esteem. If you don't stretch your people, you rob them of that opportunity and your team will never reach its potential. There has to be the right standard for ownership of outcomes. So creating a no-blame, no-excuses culture is the name of the game. You want to maximise your chances to deliver work to the right scope and quality. These are the first things to be compromised when the pressure is on. People like to protect the highly visible lag indicators like cost and time. Instead, they compromise quality and, even more so, scope. So in effect, when scope is compromised, people deliver less than they committed to while using up all the allocated time and spending all the allocated money. And this effectively dilutes the value that you thought a particular investment might yield. I can honestly say as I reflect on my corporate career that this was the biggest factor in my success. Setting the standard so that everyone knew what it was and they had the opportunity to choose whether or not they wanted to meet it. That's the forerunner to high performance. 
Anyone who's not prepared to meet the standard could find a less demanding job somewhere else. And there are plenty of those, because there are plenty of leaders who don't demand a high standard of performance. Now, I know this sounds pretty harsh, but it's the kindest thing that you can do for someone who isn't a fit for a high-performance culture. Once I learned how to set the standard and hold it, my work profile changed remarkably. I had a team of people where everyone was focused on meeting the standard I was setting and working towards getting the agreed outcomes. Meanwhile, I could shift into coach mode, spending time on communication, feedback, and active problem solving. This really kept my work hours in check, and it enabled me to manage my time and energy so that I was able to give my people my best on any given day. It was also a much more productive way to spend my time, as I was truly able to leverage the talent in the team and add value to each individual. Now, you might find it interesting to have a proper look at how you're spending your time. In our last free training session on avoiding burnout, we gave the leaders who attended a time-tracking audit to work out where they were spending their time. Now, of course, we have more extensive tools in Module 4 of Leadership Beyond the Theory, but I'll leave a link to the time audit tool in the show notes. It's a pretty good, simple place to start. So put the decision-making processes in the hands of the accountable people and inspect the outputs regularly. This could be a bit tricky to do without hovering over your people and having it feel to them like micromanagement. It relies on a strong leadership dialogue and a good structured meeting cadence. Now, there are a couple of podcast episodes you can check out to help you with this. Uh, Perhaps check out episode 111, The Leadership Meeting Cadence, if you're keen to learn more about this. Uh, And also one of our golden oldies, episode 44, The Standard You Walk Past is the Standard You Set. So no matter what, set the standard and enforce it if you want to be able to manage your own time and energy. Okay, finally, the third thing you need to focus on to manage your time and energy is to do your job and let your people do theirs. Now, if you've set the standard properly, then you just need to make sure your people do the jobs they're paid to do. (laughs) Sounds easy, right? But we know that it's anything but. An interesting application of the Pareto principle here is that you need to spend 80% of your time with the top 20% of your people. If you actually pay attention to the way you spend your time over the coming days and weeks, you may be surprised to learn how much time you put into people who aren't doing their jobs. You should focus on the ones who are. Just remember, it's a lot easier to rein in a stallion than it is to flog a donkey. But, you know, we're compassionate leaders who want to serve everyone in our team, right? Well, only to a point. Our people have agency. We still have to hold everyone accountable for the choices they make. So the thing is, spending an inordinate amount of your most precious resource, your own time and energy, on people who aren't producing isn't going to yield the best results. So even if they do decide to step up and perform, the marginal improvement from the team's perspective is going to be negligible. Think about the best performers in your team, on the other hand. They don't produce 5% or 10% more than your underperformers. They produce 200% more than your underperformers. So you can spend a lot of hours trying to corral the unwilling. You usually end up over-functioning for them, holding their hands and occasionally intervening to wallpaper over the cracks they leave. But think instead of how you can add value to your highest performers 
and remove the organizational obstacles for them so that they can deliver at their best. Now, to manage this effectively, you need a basic day-to-day toolkit. And of course, this is the Challenge Coach Confront framework. For all the complexities of human interaction and the almost infinite number of permutations and combinations of individual perspectives, people are relatively simple in their needs. They like certainty. People want to know three things when they come into work each day. What are your expectations of me? How am I performing against those expectations? And what does my future hold? Now, you'd be surprised how few people that I talk to have certainty around those three simple things. If you employ the Challenge Coach Confront framework effectively, you can give people the certainty they need and give them the opportunity to succeed and perform in a way that meets your standard and builds their job satisfaction. Now, of course, I don't have time to cover it here, but if you want to dig deeper into the Challenge Coach Confront framework, episode 57 covers the principles in a pretty succinct fashion. And of course, we cover it in a lot more detail in Module 8 of Leadership Beyond the Theory. I found during my career that this was fundamental to me being able to manage my time and energy. I was able to do the work of leadership, which was to guide, influence, and clarify my people's objectives. Even in the most demanding and high-pressure executive jobs, I could limit my work hours to, on average, 50 to 55 hours a week. Without a capable team, there was no chance I could have done that. I would have been forever getting involved in my team's work because they wouldn't have been able to produce the results themselves. Now, for all the podcast episodes I mentioned, we'll leave links in the show notes. But remember, if you're interested in any particular episode, you can find it by going to yourceomental.com forward slash episode X, with X being the number of the episode. All of these tools and principles I talk about are relatively simple, but they're incredibly powerful. So don't be fooled by their seeming simplicity. If you can work out how to apply them consistently, you'll be amazed at the results you can achieve. The principles I outline in this episode were basically an extension of the training we ran earlier in the year on avoiding burnout. So if you like these practical tips, then make sure you don't miss our next free training, which we'll be running in two weeks' time. So we've scheduled two separate sessions for the 22nd and 23rd of September, Australian time. And we'll be addressing one of the most common issues facing our community of leaders today, effective delegation. To register for the free Delegate Your Way to Freedom training, go to bit.ly forward slash delegate 2022. That's bit.ly forward slash delegate 2022. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 210. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please continue to spread the word about the No Bullshit Leadership podcast. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode, where we're going to have a look at our next free training topic, Delegate Your Way to Freedom. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no bullshit leader.